So was your was your gang rocking blue by any chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were. The colors actually so blue and black, and you right? Know. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's our favorite color. What do you say, right? Assalamu alaikum it's John Fontaine. Just before we begin the podcast, please make sure you click subscribe and also set your notifications. Please support on the Patreon account. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salam rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi It's me, John Fontaine. Welcome back to the Young Smokes podcast. I'm here with Coach Nadir. Assalamu alaikum, bro. Wa alaikum salam. Wa rahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillah. It's a pleasure. Good to have you here, man. Good to be here. So, yeah, it's good to have you, man. <laughs> all, all in the baby blue, man. Oh, you know, with the, yeah. the matching topi and the topi. Yeah, that, that's a new term for you know. We call it kufi. Oh, kufi, yeah. Kufi okay. in the U.S. You know, what it's kind of mixed. You know, sometimes topi, sometimes kufi. So it works. You know, what I'm saying? See you. you know, so I'm trying um, to look fresh, brother Nadir, Coach Nadir. Um, you have a YouTube channel. Um, yes. Outstanding personal relationships. Yes. Yes. Well. My wives and I have yeah. the channel, so it's not so just me. Not yes. just your wives, actually. The whole family is involved, mashallah. Oh, yeah, indeed. indeed. <laughs> so uh, maybe we can actually speak about that, touch upon that uh, towards the end of the podcast. And um, I'm sure we can do some other podcasts uh, about specific topics, some of the things that you're coaching people on as well. Inshallah. And your wives are coaching people on as well, because I find the content very, very beneficial, mashallah. Okay. Um, but today I wanted uh, my audience to get to know you a bit more. Um, so... Um, you're a convert to Islam. You yes. accept Islam. You're from the States. So how did you find Islam? <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I wasn't interested in Islam to begin with. I heard of Islam and saw some different things, but I really wasn't interested. I was raised Christian. Mm. Uh, both of my parents, they had me when they were teenagers. So they were both 16. I was born and I went to the same Christian school that my father went to. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a, a Christian Lutheran school, we studied the Bible every single day, kindergarten through eighth grade, then went to a Christian high school for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And long story short, I knew that what I was doing after my parents had got divorced when I was 12, I knew that what I was doing wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But the church told me it was okay because as long as you believe and are baptized, you're good to go. <laughs> you know, or <laughs> like as, as long function. as you have communion. Yeah. You know, communion always sounded like cannibalism to me because you're supposed to be this is mm. not this is act the wine is actually the blood and they gave mm. us wine the wine is actually the blood and then this unleavened bread is actually the body mm. so to me i couldn't get over that as you know it's cannibalism but i began to question all my beliefs you know yeah. i was betrayed by my parents mm. when i was five years old mm. um because that's when i learned that santa claus wasn't real you know i always <laughs> you know th this, is a, this is an example i always compare jesus to santa claus yeah you know we were taught it at the yeah. same time yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. I was really, and I, when I say betrayed, I mean, I really felt hurt when I found out he wasn't true. You know, it's one of the moments, you know, you know, like a 9-11 moment. When you hear mm -hmm. about 9-11, you remember exactly where he was, right? Yeah, you man. know, or like, for instance, um, you know, the people who are older, you know, when Elvis died or something like that. Right. You know, it's, it's one of them points, right? Where people think, oh, I remember where I was, right? But I remember where I was when I found out <laughs> Santa wasn't real, you know? And it hurt, man. You know, it hurts. And you know, you know what my mom said? So I said, um, you know, so it's Santa real. Don't tell your sister. Subhanallah. You know, it's like... Get you in on the, on yeah, the trick. And it's the same the, thing. And yeah, you know, the other thing with Santa, it's a good example because you're, you kind of have fear of him as well. It's like, if you don't behave yourself, I'll tell Santa. Mm -hmm. You know, you won't get any presents. So, 
You know, when you're having that kind you're of naughty fit. and nice. He sees you when you, you know that song. See, when you're uh, sleeping, yeah, you when you're awake, sleeping, all of that. Yeah, yeah man. They, they give him that God feature. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. funny thing is, when I was a teenager, I recognized Santa mm. also spells, and we used to let her spell Satan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I knew where red. <laughs> I dug into the history. So, man, yeah. that, that really got me. But yeah. I remember when I was um, in second grade, I asked my Christian, the teacher, I said, you know, why are we here? You know, what's the purpose of being here? Like, okay, I wasn't thinking really deep and philosophical, but I was just like, I'm seven years old. I was seven as well. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what happened before I was yeah, here? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? What's going to happen after I'm gone? Mm. And what I don't recall what she, whatever she said, but it just wasn't sufficient for me. Mm. So I always had questions. I took them to my pastor, like, okay, well, why do we eat pork? But Jesus didn't eat pork. You know, and then the Old Testament doesn't eat pork. And then they would say, well, that's the Old Testament. Yeah. And my comeback would be, well, the Ten Commandments are in the Old Testament. Aren't we yeah. supposed to follow that, though? Yeah. You know, so there were just a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. So what happened is when I became a teenager, I knew that what I was doing when it came to the lifestyle I was living, whether it was um, getting high, smoking weed, whether it was dabbling in dealing drugs and doing different stuff, hanging around the wrong people, that I couldn't continue doing what I was doing. And that this religion is just OK because Jesus died and paid for all your sins. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, nah, that's not, I mean, every person on billions of people on the planet right now, for the last thousand or 2000 years, it didn't make sense to yeah. me. Like one person can be innocently convicted and get put to death. Now, mind you, that has happened a lot in America. It's <laughs> happened with our, the whole American history. Yeah. A lot of people have been enslaved, you know, wrongfully convicted and put to death, yeah. but not for other people's stuff. So I just had those questions. So I disowned religion. I said, you know what, mm. what I'm believing in, and I, I disown organized religion. I said, you know, this is not it. I believe there's a God. Mm. I know there's something bigger than this. And I went on my own search. Mm. So I threw that to the side. I was about 14, 15 years old. And I was like, you know, this ain't it. You know, so I mm. studied the Bible more, looked at it. And I'm like, Jesus never said I'm God. He never said mm. I'm the son of God. Yeah. You know, Trinity isn't even in the Bible. Jesus never saw the inside of a church. Why do I believe this stuff? Mm. Then I came to look and saw Paul who was Saul of Tarsus, who used to kill people that followed yeah. what Jesus actually taught and got into it with Jesus' disciples. Yeah. So I'm like, how, am I, how did this guy write 80% of this yeah. book, but and we're following what he came up with mm -hmm. versus the disciples of Jesus, who would know better? Yeah. And I looked in history a little bit more and I found that, you know, when they conquered Jerusalem and took over, then the Pauline Christianity took over. And I was like, you know, this is a mess. Sounds really yeah. political. Um, I respect Jesus and everything, but mm -hmm. I'm not taking that he's God. Any person that walk mm -hmm. on the planet can't be God. So that's not really going to mm -hmm. work for me. So I threw that to the side and I started looking at ancient African Kemetic religions and stuff like that. I came across a number of different things, but a lot were saying that, you know, there's no beginning and there's no end. Mm. You know, I didn't believe in that. I believe in creation yeah. and knowing that everything has an end and has a limit. So if the earth is limited. You know, when you was a Christian, did you see I? I was a Christian in terms I went to church, but I mm. never believed Jesus was God or the Son of God. It just didn't sit right with me. Did you actually believe that? Did you pray to Jesus or was he yeah. always yes. there? You did, yeah. I, again, I was raised up in it from yeah. kindergarten, so I was indoctrinated in it. Mm. And I'll give you an example. When I was 12 years old, this is so funny, this date is a very important date. There's a number of different things that happened. June 24th, when I was 12 years old, um, I was hit by a car. Mm. Okay? And the previous year, like my father's hand got cut but it was also my brother's birthday um, Rahimahullah but also my daughter's birthday so this date has a lot of specific things that went on but I was 12 years old and I went to the, uh, the corner store and I was leaving the corner store there was a bus that was parked there I ran trying to go across the street real quick bam got hit by a cutlass when I was in the air I prayed to Jesus okay so I'm flying in the air stuff is in slow motion I'm like you know God please Jesus please forgive me and all this stuff and I, and I fell 
and, and got up and I was shaking. Adrenaline was just pushing through my body and I was just shaking really, really, really bad. And still had a little nerve damage on my, on my leg from hitting the bottom of the car. Didn't go to the, the hospital, didn't do any of that type of stuff. But I had prayed while in the air, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm 12. But that's what I pray, just a basic, you know, you know, forgive me and all this type of stuff. I thought it was over because I looked, I saw the car got hit and I thought that was just it. And it wasn't. I'm clearly yeah. <laughs> I'm here with you now. But yeah, I believed it. I believed yeah, it yeah. because mm-hmm. the people that I trusted mm-hmm. had given that information to me. Mm-hmm. But and then they come with a Well, you know, you just have to have faith. You have blind faith. Mm-hmm. God works in mysterious ways that never settled right with me. Mm-hmm. So I believed it mm-hmm. until I decided to do my own study and question mm-hmm. my beliefs. And I recognized mm-hmm. that, look. The same time I was talking about Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and all these other falsehoods, I was also talking about Christianity. Yeah. I was also taught that Jesus was man and son of this divine man, God, man, human, all this type of stuff. And I was like, okay, so I was taught the same thing. Why am I holding on to this belief yeah. by the same people who taught yeah. me that? So I need to go ahead and check it myself. So, you know, you, you're from... You're from Chicago, right? No, from Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or what I call New Jim Crow North, yeah. but it's about an hour and a half from Chicago. So it's quite, quite close. Yeah, my father was born in Chicago. Yeah. And my people came up from down south with the, yeah. the Great Migration yeah. from uh, Mississippi. Okay. So tell us a bit about your, your growing up, about your family, you know, about your, you know, you, you had a brother as well. Yes, who, yes. Who, who actually passed away as well. He did, he did. Well, to, to go a little bit um, about my journey, all right. Remember, you know, I was again, I was hanging around the wrong people, stuff like that, um, because my father left the home when I was 12. And I was so, hey, I'm the man of the house. Mm-hmm. So when I began my journey at about 14, 15, I, again, I disowned our religion, wasn't caring much about the law. You know, everything in the U.S. is so racial based mm-hmm. that you can't really escape it. Even the city I'm in was rated uh, the most segregated city in the country mm-hmm. for almost a decade. All right. So I was a byproduct of a time. And if you look at the United States history, Back in the 60s, it was the rise of black nationalism and consciousness and stuff like that. So out of that came like the NOI, the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. A lot of consciousness um, arose. And this is less than 100 years after slavery was prohibited. So it was strongly ingrained in, um, and still to this day in the United States systems. So you got the 60s, this rise. Then you have the 70s. Well, with this rise, there was a problem. The FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, without going into a whole bunch, was like, listen, we have to stop the rise of a black messiah. We want to stop this unity. And the biggest problem, he said, was black people's or Negro unity. It was the biggest threat to the United States is what he called it. So there was a number of different things put in place to prevent this because the whole rise of the 60s, when you look at Marcus Garvey, you look at Malcolm, you look at Martin, you're looking at economic powerhouses, the people that fueled that were people who were working in factories who came up through the Midwest, for example, and they decided to unite. They decided to fund it. So mm-hmm. in the 70s, you had black exploitation era. You had um, this say no, to, well, not say no drugs was in the 80s, but you had President Nixon with this war on drugs that began. So now you have heroin and all these different things to kind of take over the minds and caused a lot of disunity. In the 80s, was a lot of drugs. 90s, there was mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. We're experiencing the effects of that today. And then we constantly had that breakup of the black family. Yeah. So I began to look just at different people, different things. One of the things that inspired me was Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't interested in Islam, like I said. I, mm-hmm. saw that, I saw the movie, I saw the book, and I respected him. And I saw the women, I saw how they dressed, and I was like, they're beautiful women. These, these are women that you could marry. Yeah. They were attractive, but I wasn't interested in marriage or anything like that. Yeah. You know, when a guy was introducing me to Islam, I didn't have any friends growing up as Muslims. But this guy tried to introduce me to Islam. Now, this is somebody who was in a gang. He was an adult. He was in a gang. It was called the El Rookins. And 
I was in the opposite. You know, I was a GD. I was gangster disciple and stuff back then. So was your was your gang rocking blue by any chance? Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they were. The colors actually blue and black, right? You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's my favorite color. What can you say, right? But it was, it was, right? <laughs> and yours was red. And I can't stand red. Even for this day, it's like, ah. But um, he tried to introduce me to it. And yeah. I'm like, listen, man, I'm not interested in that. One, you're the opposite gang or organization than I. And the way you live it ain't even right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I said, I'm not giving up my women, my weed, and my baby back ribs in that order. Like, I, I love baby back ribs, right? I didn't stop eating pork because it didn't taste good, yeah. you know? But um, so I wasn't interested, you know? And I'm like, this is just another organized religion and stuff like that. Yeah, the Quran, all this kind of stuff. And I had seen news reports of the war in Iraq and all that stuff going on. I'm like, hey, go United States, those, you know, the crazy Arabs yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. kind of stuff. I was and the then, same. You know, in the Arabs. Let's go and, let's go and get them terrorists. You know? Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? And in our neighborhood, they were, they were abusing the neighborhood. I remember watching America that should go in with the tanks. I remember, yeah. I remember, it's one of the moments again. I was glued to the TV, right? And I don't know if you remember, just the tanks going in, right? And it was all cloudy and dusty. And I was like, let's go and get them, you yeah. know? You know, subhanAllah. <laughs> same, same, same fervor they drummed up with us. Yeah. Same thing against the Soviet Union. It's all this propaganda that happens. We were millions like, hated of Russia and the Soviet Union. Later. Ridiculous, man. And, you know, millions. Babies. You know what I'm saying? So they, this bastion yeah. of justice and freedom, supposedly, yeah. but we know, I mean, as black people in the United States, we know that that's trash. Yeah. We don't even have equal rights and stuff yet, or human rights, yeah, yeah. you know, when it comes to um, just police brutality. You mm -hmm. know I mean? The first time I was brutalized by the police, I was 15. You know, I had taken my mother's car when she was at work, third shift, joyride and stuff like that. It was a black cop, yeah. you know, so that continues to happen. So we knew, but I didn't know, you know, this whole war thing. I was just like, look, let's go get them. You know, this yeah, yeah. USA pride, if you yeah, will. Yeah. So. But looking at that, I'm like, okay, this is where we are. So what's going on? I end up getting in trouble as a juvenile, right? Again, that I was pretty violent. You know, I consider myself Robin Hood. Um, but the difference is I say, you know, I rob from the rich and, and spin with the poor. Mm. So the people I robbing didn't look like me. They so were a lighter complexion. So robbing for the hood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm robbing people that have insurance. They have yeah. things. They probably, you know, can go ahead and get things, you know, taken care of. And it was more robbing as in carjacking mm. because I didn't really like the drug game. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I participated in the drug mm. game for a little bit, but there were people that were coming and trying to get crack and all that kind of stuff. They, they had their kids with them. They were really strung out. Yeah. And I come from a house that was, what was normal was dysfunction. Mm. So I had alcoholism in the house. There was child molestation. You know what I'm saying? In the house. There was physical abuse. There's domestic abuse. All of these things I had seen before even being a teenager. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So this toxic stress and stuff was there despite going to the Christian school, going to church every Sunday. Mm. The, the, the practicality in, in Christianity and practice never manifested itself because you could do whatever you want to do yeah. because guess what? It's a religion of convenience. Because as long as you believe in the baptized, it doesn't matter what you do. You're okay. Yeah. And for me, that was like, this is not something that mm. doesn't have the discipline so I didn't respect it, yeah. you know, so I ended up getting in trouble for a carjacking case and stuff like that. And then I was on probation and then ended up having a gun after a situation. I violated that. So thankfully, I got locked up as a juvenile. All right. And thankfully, I got kicked out of a six week boot camp program. All right. Mm -hmm. I appealed it and actually won, but it was on a weekend. So long story short, all right, it was already destined. Now, the same brother that gave me information, he'd been in and out of prison. He was in prison at this time. But he sent me a thick 700-page book, 700-page book. And I got in trouble. I read the book in three days. It went into the roots of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. I was in trouble. 23 hours a day, I couldn't leave my room. So I was reading. I said, okay, let's get to it. And after jumping into the roots of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, so the, uh, so the class, I was like, 
this is it. This is what I believe. Yeah. God is one. There's nothing co-equal comparatively to not be God. This is this is what I believe right here. This, it was so simple, so short, concise and to the point. I said, this is what I believe. So did you give up everything and just come into the fold of Islam right then? or? Well, I was a, I was a kid. So no, nah, still... it, it was a process. I mean, yeah. a kid as in I was like 16. I was about 16, 17 at the time. Yeah. This is 90, 93, 94, right? Yeah. So, and I was locked up. As a juvenile, you can't just go anywhere. It, it is what it is. Yeah. But I, I stopped smoking weed. Now, there was weed in there. We had weed going on. We had all kind of stuff. I had a little racket <laughs> going on, being locked up. You become very creative. <laughs> so um, I stopped that. You know what I'm saying? That didn't mean I didn't stop selling it because I had the, the connection. But um, so I did do that. But then I had to learn how to pray. All right. Mm -hmm. So I requested some Muslims come in. There was no Juma or anything else. Some Muslims that come in and they were trying to teach us some basic things. They gave me a little prayer book. So I learned how to pray in English, right? Mm. And I didn't know anything until I got out. Mm. But the reason I think I got out rather, relatively quickly is because we were talking about filing a lawsuit. There was no Islamic service, but they had plenty of church services. Mm. So after threatening that, it was like a few days later, they let me out. It was one of the quickest releases and stuff like that. So mm. I'm like, hey, I'm happy I'm out. But now I'm Muslim. Mm. So the same friends I had, they were still doing the same old stuff. You know, it was the same old girl, same old kicking it, same old come through. And, you know, and it reminded me of Tupac because, you know, Tupac at the time had a song, um, I Ain't Mad At You. Mm. And then one of the verses in the song, you talk about a guy who became Muslim. Yeah. And he got out and he was no longer chasing the girls. Now he want to go to the mosque and he want to do right instead of, you know, participating in the schemes. And I felt I could relate to that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even though it was a process because I got out and I didn't know what was what. So I went over there and I looked at um, the Nation of Islam and stuff like that. And then I looked at um, the Wharf Dini's and stuff. And so it was just a number of different things I looked at and I didn't know what was what, but I knew that I wanted to get to the source because mm -hmm. I didn't want to just follow a man. And this is my leader because I've seen too many reverends and pastors and everything mm -hmm. mislead people, misguide people. Mm -hmm. I mean, my grandmother almost went down, I think it was South America where Jim Jones took his people where they all got oh. killed. So she was heavy into the religious mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to go for that. I want to yeah. find the source. And I looked at Malcolm and what he did when he was with the nation and then when he left the nation and actually had, you know, became uh, part of Ahlul Sunnah mm -hmm. and stuff. And I'm looking at his life. He was a Muslim 11 months before he was assassinated. So now I look through a different lens and then I didn't know Kunta Kinte mm -hmm. after reading the book Roots when I was locked up. I'm like, well, he was Muslim. Yeah. And I watched the show and I mm -hmm. saw Fittler came in and and he was praying. He was offering salat. Mm -hmm. Right. So now as a Muslim, you know, I'm seeing we, it we, in school when we watched uh, that Roots. They edited all of that out about um, about him being Muslim. Because we're from a Christian school, right? Um, but they edited all the Muslim stuff out. I was shocked later, <laughs> you know, many years later when I watched the film again. I'm like, where where was all this? Apparently? Yeah, well, Islam yeah. is a solution to a lot of problems. Yeah. So for those who have an agenda, Islam can be a threat. It's a threat to begin with. I mean, the shahada is la ilaha illallah. Yeah. All right, so that in and of itself, you got to get rid of Tahut. you got to get rid of every enemy every evil to begin with with that lad you cut it all off yeah. so there's nothing worthy of worship except Allah that's a problem for some mm. you know people take their desires they take money take everything as a God mm. so when I saw uh, Kunta Kinte he was praying and all this stuff and then Fiddler came in try to offer him some pork and he knocked the plate out of his hand and he said oh you one of those nine pig eating niggers huh mm. I was like whoa so Muslims are brought over here and enslaved I didn't mm. know that yeah What's going on? So it intrigued me more to find out a little bit more about my history yeah. and so on. So long story, a little bit longer. <laughs> um, I looked at it, I said, oh, this is Islam. And I studied a bunch of different places. And then there was a brother, alhamdulillah, um, 
Or Rahimullah, I need to check on him to see if he's still around. Sheikh Hijaz from the UK, he was in the United States and he was doing dawah. They had a house of Musalla and a library and they always welcome people. That's when I tasted my first biryani um, <laughs> because they're going to feed you and feed you. They will stuff you. That's one part of the sunnah that they're not following properly because they'll stuff you and you must eat. It doesn't matter if you just ate before you got there. They'll feed you. But he was so nice and kind. His dad was beautiful, answered questions. Um, if I got into it, I'm newly married, so I'm like, you know, I have to get married because we can't. Well, my my girlfriend, I met her in high school. Yeah. You know, I was 14, she was 15, and I told her, listen, I'm gonna marry you. This wasn't some game. I was just like, I'm gonna marry this girl. Like I'd spoken before I was even Muslim. We met at our Christian high school. You know what I'm saying? She went to a Christian grade school where we were competitors, right? Yeah. So I met her, and then five years later we were married. Now we weren't together the whole time. Like when I got locked up, we weren't and stuff, but. I introduced her to Islam. Like I was studying Islam, said, you know, this is the truth. And I told her about Islam. She took her shahada before I did. And you're still with her today, mashallah. Yeah, yeah. We've been married Allah 26 years Allah now. Allah you know what I'm saying? Allah. We have uh, seven beautiful children. Mashallah. And now I practice polygyny. So for the last 11 years, I also um, am married to Coach Nyla as well. Mashallah. We have three beautiful sons, and she already had two children. So I have mashallah. two bonus children on top of that. So with that being said, I'm like, yo, this is it. I met the brother. Sometimes you get into it as a newlywed, you know, know how to live with somebody else. So I get into an argument and then I go to, to his house at the Musala and I'm up all night. We're talking, praying, learning different things. He's teaching me the alphabet. So those were just heartwarming times really in the 90s yeah. to learn. And in that time, yeah, I did get rid of everything at the time. And I was like, yo, OK, you, music. You know, this time you're talking about this, this like um, point when you're uh, first when you first come to Islam. I don't know about you, but for me, it's like your iman is so high. Yeah, You're man. so sincere. I feel like our sincerity is so pure and like we're just giving up things and we, we're on it. And yeah, I was telling yeah. you, we, we take ourselves very serious. You find converts in the beginning very kind of tough and, you know, taking it oh, serious. Man. It takes us a while to kind of loosen up a bit. and Indeed. Yeah. And you become, you become richer because it's new mm. and you want to learn everything you can. And you know that it's perfect. Yeah. And one of, the, uh, one of my friends that told me, said, you know, it's lucky that you accepted Islam before you met Muslims. Mm. You know, and I'm like, what you talking about? And then I figured out what he was talking about because mm. after you become Muslim, you think that other Muslims have this same zeal mm. that know that, you know, they're covering properly, they're learning, they're doing things that are proper. Then you start seeing, oh, they're doing stuff mm. that I used to do back in the day when I wasn't Muslim. And Islam doesn't allow this. Mm. So you become really judgmental and stuff like that because you don't know the path that people are on. Mm. You know, so you feel, hold on, man, this is beautiful and true. Why are you not part of it? You know, so, but that time you're high, you're, you're, you're euphoric. You're yeah. learning, you're studying every fiqh and sunnah mm -hmm. book. You're trying to look at everything. And again, there was no YouTube or any of that. So you had to read, mm -hmm. you had to get in it. You had to listen to cassette and, tapes. And how was it when your wife come to Islam, but you both learning together, studying together? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, One of the ways um, we used to be able to purchase tapes, like by uh, Imam uh, Suraj Wahaj, I feel the Hullah. Right. I so still need to get him on the podcast. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, if, if anyone knows him, please uh, link us up. Yeah, alhamdulillah. We got some connections. If you want to get, get him no on he's, he's, every, You know, anyone you speak to, not just from the States, but from the era like 20 years ago who accepted Islam 20 years ago, you know, everyone, his name is on every <laughs> nearly every podcast I've done. His yeah. name crops up, you know. Yeah. It's so inspirational. Indeed. You know, in, the, in the early days, as well as people like Didat and people like that. You know, just con it's these certain names that always come up. Yeah, man. As, as uh, Malcolm X, another one. You know, what really just, uh, you know, subhanAllah. The think, impact. think about the impact these guys had. You know, people like Malcolm X, um, Siraj Wahaj, Didat, Muhammad Ali. Yep. You know, you know, subhanAllah, you know. So, 
So yeah, so you, you, he was very beneficial for you, for you yeah. guys when you. And that's how you know we studied together and everything. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, I was you know I was doing music back in the day. So we did Islamic hip hop and you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I wasn't a rap artist, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I ran into some brothers that did some music, and I was like, oh man, this inspiration like they're talking, you know, they're talking <laughs> the language, they're doing dawah and this stuff. And I was like, oh, this hit my heart. And then, you know, I was like, yo, this is, this is super dope. Like, what's up? They were like, well, do you mute? I was like, I mean, I do poetry. I could rhyme. Then I ended up getting with them, you know, with our Nostra Productions and stuff like that, doing some music. Um, Have you got anything for us you can, uh, a little poem you can give us today? I nah, know, bro. I know you got something. <laughs> nah, nah. That was before. I, that was, I had a little baby over 20 years ago, before these gray hairs started telling my age. But I did that. Then also, what, uh, did that to my to my parents and my mother. Um, I gave this book, Muslim Christian Dialogue. Really good book, really thin. It was just a conversation between a Muslim and a Christian. And she wasn't really hearing it. She thought it was a phase or something I was going through. But she gave the book to my younger brother. He read the book. So it's like I indirectly did that to my brother. He used to hang around us when we went to different cities and different stuff. He would see us pray. There was never any pressure on him to become Muslim. But I told him, you know, study, study. Then one day he said, you know, I want to be Muslim. Allah. And I was like, Mashallah. okay, this, this is what's Mashallah. up. You know what I'm saying? So he ended up taking a shot to become a Muslim when he was 14. And I was, what, 19 at the time, just got married and stuff like that. So long story, a little bit longer, um, a couple years later, we went to Salat al-Eid, all right? And my mother kicked him out the house because he said, look, I'm Muslim, I want to be Muslim. And he left, we went to Salat al-Eid, he didn't go to school, so he was kicked out of the house. No relatives would take him in at all, none. My grandmother, my great aunt, nobody would take him in. Um, I couldn't take him in because I'm living in my grandmother's basement. We had a small apartment, my wife and I, we renting from her. And there was no space there, I just had a baby. So I called the Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Hijaz, you know, who taught, you know, was teaching us and stuff like that, because he had the Musala. So he took him in, so he began to learn the alphabet, learn how to pray properly, all this type of good stuff. He was fed well and everything. But two months later, he came back to live with my mother. What happened was, there was a, a guy named uh, Buck. He looked like me, a little taller than me, light skin, curly hair. Now my brother, he's 16 at the time, he's, he was taller than me. And I knew that it was over when we were playing basketball and uh, we had a friend's house, we were playing basketball and I'm like, okay, I'm guarding my little brother, right? I'm, I'm like 21, you know, I'm in shape, I'm good, right? And then um, he like just went around me, raised all the way up, his left hand, raised all the way up and dunked on me. And I was like, okay, well, that's enough of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's not my little brother anymore, right? He's my bigger little brother. So, um, so he, was, he was bigger than me is my point. But he also resembled this guy named Buck. Buck had just gotten into a fight, him and some other guys, with this guy that was a vice lord, all right, opposite gangs, about half a block from my mother's house. So he got, they jumped the guy, they beat him up, and the guy went and hid in the alley, all right? My brother was in the house, so he left shortly after that, maybe 15 minutes or so, to head to the store to go get some stuff from my mother. Well, as he's going to the store, the guy sees him. Now, the guy thought that this was the guy that he just fought with, mm. but it wasn't. Um, it was my brother. So he jumps out, they begin to fight. Uh, he put a gun on him. So he ended up shooting my brother it was three times. Um, but he fought, you know, saying, Arhimahullah, may, may he be amongst those, the, the eight categories Amen. of Shaheed. So with that being said, he got killed on, um, back on October 7, 1997, when he was 16 years old. Mm. You know, but alhamdulillah, again, he became Muslim. And he did that despite all of the other pressure as a young teenager and youth with all the other things around you that you can get involved with. So he was killed. Now, before that time, even my father also accepted Islam. Now, my father was one of the last people I ever thought would ever accept Islam. So when it comes to drinking and all this kind of other stuff, he was that guy. You know, so he was he was impacted a lot by the whole drug thing, by the alcohol, by the 
the you know the black exploitation flicks, all the stuff of the seventies. So he was on that. You know what I mean? So I never would have thought it. But he mm-hmm. said he saw a change in me. He saw mm-hmm. what he called later called Noor. He said, you know what? Something got you. I don't know what it is. Something got you. But before this time, though, he told me, you know, I said, like, I'm Muslim. You know, I know my children aren't going to get baptized. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. So he said, I'm going to take your daughter, I'm gonna take my grandbaby and get her baptized. I'm like, well, you're never going to watch her because <laughs> that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But one day I stopped by his house and he said, you know what? Something got you. He said, give me something on that. Mm-hmm. So I gave him a book by Ahmed Didat. And he looked at it in the same sort of that I saw impacted him heavily. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Islam and talked about a number of different things. And one day. Shaky Jazz was like, yo, come by, come get some food. And I was stopping by my father's house to pick something. I told him, come with me, let's go eat. You know, and he had been drinking early, so you can kind of smell alcohol on him a little bit. But he was like, sure, let's, okay, let's go. So he came with me and true to form, Shaky Jazz is going to feed you. So he's feeding my father, feeding everybody, and we're talking and just a number of different things going on. And as he was talking to my father, doing direct dialogue to him, he's like, you know, do you believe this or, you know, about... Prophet Muhammad, you know, he's, he's a prophet. Do you believe that there's only one God, there's Allah and all of this? My father was like, yes, yes. He was like, okay, good. Why don't you become Muslim? He said, repeat after me. And to my amazement, my father sat there and repeated after him and said oh. the Shahada and became Muslim. It was really emotional for me because I'm like, I would have never, ever yeah. guessed in a thousand years. You know, so Alhamdulillah, he had become Muslim. Uh, but again, due to the lifestyle and quarter of Allah, he ended up passing in 2006, he's 47 years old. So just a couple years older than me right now, um, he ended up passing, he had lung cancer, found out he had it in June and passed by September. Mm. You know, it was relatively quick. But, um, so, so, you know, this is, you, you kind of just going through this really fast, but these are major events in someone's life. I mean, they have a big impact on someone's life. You know, I mean, you know, you, you, your father left at the age of 12. You know, you became the man of the house at, mm-hmm. at, when you were 12, you know, which you had a five-year-old uh, brother, a, a brother who's five years younger than you. So you would have been, you know, you know, watching out for him as well. Well, I have five other siblings actually. Yeah. I'm the oldest of six. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you know, you is... know, I told you, told you about my uh, my father. Similar, you know, right. he was the oldest of eight. You know, his mother left about the same time, and he was looking after them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I told you. I told uh, maybe I was telling uh, Omar. I'm not sure. But yeah, similar. My dad has a similar story to you. He didn't yeah. become a Muslim yet. But you know, it's, I, I understand the, the, the pressure for that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it sounds like you, you had a, a lot of struggles, you know, in your teenage years, you know, you know going th- cr- into crime, you know, drugs and things like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, me, because maybe in me knowing who you are now <laughs> and what you do, subhanAllah, it's very inspiring because... You know, uh, to come from somewhere where you're not given uh, the the lessons of motherhood and fatherhood from a family perspective, right? Or you True. have sought them out and 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 studied and learned, you know, and and you actually coach people and teach people yeah. on this now, a very high level, <laughs> you know. Um, Subhanallah. I mean, you know, go on, you know, for those who are listening, check out, um, you know, uh, Nadir's yeah, channel. Personal relationship, right. You know, you see uh, that you know all the all the the lessons that you're giving with regards to relationships, family, marriage, uh, polygyny, children, raising children. You know, and Subhanallah, it's like it's like your whole life is revolved around that to an extent. You know, improving. Uh, the people around you, yeah. improving, helping, and passing on this. 
you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, mashallah. <laughs> well, one I'm of proud the things, of you, bro. Well, alhamdulillah, you know, you know it, 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 it to do with me. It's, you know, because I, I was, I was, you know, just sat with you the past few days, you know, learning so much about, you know, because I, I'm in the early stages of family, right? And my children are not really even speaking yet, you know. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we've got it all to come, you know. But you, mashallah, got many children. Even some of your children are married. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. So you've experienced yeah. every stage of that. I was watching a, a video yesterday with Abdurrahim Green and uh, Abdul Haq Baker. Um, they were, uh, again, you know, they got big families and they were speaking about fatherhood and, and families. And it's just, you know, mashallah, learning enough brothers like yourself and them, you know, who have been through it, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's tough. You know? well, yeah. One of the things, man, is that the biggest decision, the best decision I ever made was accepting Islam. Yeah. So a lot of the inspiration that I had to change things was by looking at the examples that I had and recognizing I can either use them or yeah. not. So even with my father, even with all that dysfunction, he was a good example of what yeah. not to do. Yeah. And I was determined, even before I became Muslim, as a, as a preteen, that I'm not going to have this stuff in my household. I'm not that. I'm not going to be this type of man. Mm. I mean, you, you also told me you, you, you actually had a fight with your father once. Yes, yeah, I had a fight you know, with my father. Mean, I couldn't even imagine, you know, <laughs> um, have I, I've had arguments with my family. May Allah forgive me. Um, and in fact, one of, them, one of them arguments were, you know, one of the reasons for me to kind of make that step into Islam. You know, I was drunk one day mm -hmm. and I remember, you know, shouting at them. You know, really in a really bad way, you know. And the next day I told them I'll never drink again. And they did that, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> you know, they knew, you know, me. Right. And um, it was really, the drinking was like the last step really holding me back from Shahada. You know, so, <laughs> you know, having that, having actual fight with a father, I can't imagine that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's I mean, it's not something I'm proud of, but it's, it's yeah. something that was a part of my evolution. Yeah. Because at 12 years old, I started working out. I'm like, you know what? All the stuff going on, my father's hurting the family and doing different things. I'm the, I need to be the man. So I started working out, lifting weights and trying to get in shape and stuff like that. And that he left, you know, they got divorced mm -hmm. when I was 12. He was still accessible and stuff like that, but he was out of the house. He would come back periodically, visit my mother, visit us, stuff mm -hmm. like that. But when he was, uh, when I was 16, now I'm a, I'm a different man now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm coming into my manhood. Now the peach fuzz has changed. I have a little mustache and mm -hmm. now, I'm, you know, I'm bigger and stronger and stuff like that. And uh, he thought he was going to come in. He was a little inebriated. So he was under the influence of alcohol and whatever else. And at that time, again, I was already into violence. Mm. So whether it be jacking someone, you know, jacking or robbing him, if you will, or drugs. I, I know the game. I'm not, I'm not this little kid anymore. No. So he thought he was going to come and steal something from me that I stole from somebody else. <laughs> you know, the irony in the whole thing. Mm. And, um, you know, and I told him he's not going to take it. He wanted me to give it to him. I'm like, no. Mm. You know, so he ended up hit me in the neck and then I, you know, I, I responded like I would respond to any other enemy. Cause I'm like, you don't live in this house anymore. I'm not under your authority yeah. and you're not going to come here. I'm the man of this house, you know? So, you know, sadly it is what it is, but you know, Alhamdulillah yeah. got better, but I almost killed him that day. And thankfully my mother was right there and um, I had to stop because I was in front of my mother and I know I was, I, she brought me back to consciousness cause I was in a rage at the time. Mm. You know, and we had discussed that stuff later, but at, after that, it was just a different level of respect. Yeah. But again, I wasn't Muslim at that time. And yeah. then, so he knew from going there to about a year, year and a half later to becoming Muslim and the change in my attitude and my belief yeah. system and respect level, he knew that's what he meant when he said something got you. 
you know, and then that's where he asked for something because my behavior and everything totally changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I didn't notice it, but I mean, I noticed it. I wasn't doing the same thing as before, but he said something got you. I never thought about that before. Just that term was like something got you and it did. Islam had me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. it's my loyalty. This is here. This you is know, perfect. You know, only Islam can change people to this level. Okay, yeah. Christianity, you know, it'll get you going to church on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But Islam, you know, dictates all your day. You know, your five daily prayers, how you eat, what you eat, you know, how, how you, you deal with your parents. You know, you know whether even, they Muslim yeah, or not. Even if you're just following the the basics of Islam, the five mm-hmm. daily prayers, etc., you know, you're gonna be a different person. You know? and, and it's just, it's a sign. You know, I mean I, I'm sure my parents can can see the difference in me. They know what I was like. You know, um, and same with you. I mean, your father obviously did, and alhamdulillah, may Allah grant them for those. Your, you know, to have a father and a brother, subhanAllah, except Islam. Man, amazing. And, and they're gone. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So the honest is on me for my family. Yeah. You know, and I didn't want a big family. I initially thought, you know, I had two kids and that'd be that. But now I have 10 biological children and two bonus children. Mashallah. You know what I'm saying? So I have four daughters first. Alhamdulillah, because if I had the boys first, I don't know if I'd continue. <laughs> but um, I had the girls first, followed by six sons. You know what I'm saying with, with my wife. So, you know, it's been nothing but a blessing, but it's also one of the most challenging things you're going to do. Yeah. But I know that I need to be as greedy as possible because I want to try to get as many blessings as possible because I believe I'm the answer to a lot of my ancestors do us. Yeah. Those who were taken from different parts of Africa, those who were enslaved as humans yeah. and as Muslims, pray for their descendants to return to this day. And I believe I'm an answer to that. As I look up through my genealogy now with Ancestry.com and MyHeritageAndStuff.com, we can see kind of where we came from. Yeah. You know, so I know I have Muslims in my ancestry and about 10 to 30 yeah. percent were Muslims. And every yeah. single rebellion that happened in the United States was a lot of Muslims were involved in these things, whether it's down in Savannah or Charleston or even down in Haiti yeah. with the revolution. Have you, have you ever traveled to Africa before? Yes. Well, yeah. I've been to Egypt. Egypt, yeah. Yeah, so I've been to Egypt a few yeah. times, and a lot of people don't know that, but Egypt is actually in Africa, yeah. <laughs> despite <laughs> what the West will allow you to yeah. believe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into the family stuff right now, because mm-hmm. I want to do another podcast on, no on I want to really, maybe a series on that, yeah, you know. No um, so I kind of just want to keep it about you, mm-hmm. you know, for this one. Um, you know, I want to speak about uh, something that you went through, ex- something you experienced um, uh, fairly recently where you, you had to shoot someone uh, mm-hmm. in America. And I want to speak about your experience with that, how you felt and the whole situation regarding that. Okay, yeah, yeah indeed. Well, <laughs> it's really interesting because the way it's set up, when you look back on things, you see how Allah Ta'ala guided so many different things this, this one particular night. We had picked up my bonus daughter from class. She was in the dance class. Went to a store we had never stopped in before, right? To go get some groceries and stuff for the next day. And I was in the car. I was sitting in the car in the parking lot. I was on a phone call, taking a business call. And my wife went in just to go grab some stuff, right? And my son just started crying. And I'm on a business call, he's crying, but his siblings are also there too, so they can just watch him. So I decided to go in the store. I go in the store, I'm looking for her. I'm still talking on the phone to my Bluetooth. And I find my wife, she's in the checkout aisle. She's like the second or third person in the checkout aisle. I go in the checkout aisle, I'm there. Next thing you know, from the, the corner of my eye, I see the security guard with his hands up. He has his hands up and he's walking and there's a guy behind him. He has a shotgun or a rifle pointed out of his coat. And I'm like, oh no, this is not happening. 
Now, I'm legally licensed. I was legally licensed, right, for having a firearm. Wisconsin was one of the last states to um, do concealed carry. So I have my firearm on me, all right? I see it. I let my wife, look, get out the way. We back up, get out the way. I see this stuff going on, and I take my firearm out. I had it to my side and put my, put my hand up. So he, the guy's robbing the place, and I'm like, now, I'm familiar with robberies. You know what I'm saying? I've done them before, not locations like that or anything, but I'm familiar with it, right? So this guy is he, he waving it around, threatening everybody and stuff like that and threatening the cashier. She's hysterical. The lady next to her was very pregnant. And um, so he's threatening everybody. Now, I have a clear, well, I have a line of sight to this guy. So I'm like, okay, he's just going to rob it. That's going to be the end of it. The problem is after he he wanted more of the money like he was he didn't make any sense he should have took it and just left and things would have been fine but he wanted more and he was threatening to really kill this woman so i'm thinking he's gonna shoot this lady like yeah. just to keep us off his trail but there was a guy behind him on the wall and i'm inching forward to get a better line of sight like i have my pistol right yeah. here i'm ready and i nod to the guy well i kind of he sees me moving the the customer and i, I move my head to get out the way so he he goes past him just gets out the way. Now I have a perfect line of sight to this guy. Mm. Like I can get him, right? So he's still threatening. He still has his gun on the cashier. So I pull up my weapon and I pull the trigger. Nothing happens. Nothing what? happens. The longest milliseconds of my life. Nothing happens Serious. because my ridiculous self, knowing better, you got I had it on safety. Oh, and I didn't even have a round in it. It was just, it was horrible, right? So I didn't, you know, didn't have it. So what I had to do was take it off safety, which is really easy. That took a couple of seconds, but then I also had to That's make sure I loaded man. it. And I had it up at this point. The, 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 so he sees me. I'm racking it, and then he begins to move. And he points at me. He points his rifle at me. And I'm like, so I started, you know, started shooting. Shot him through the leg, grazed his head. He fell down. Did he manage right? to get one back at you? Did he, did no, he, did no, he, did I, he let one? Did he shoot at all? This guy. He falls. He's, as he runs to the door, hits the door. I stopped shooting. I could have kept shooting, but I didn't want to kill the dude. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to kill him. So he fell. That means his, the threat is released. He dropped the gun. He dropped the bag, all of that stuff. My adrenaline is through the roof. Okay. So I shot way too many times, but I hit him a couple. Um, <clears throat> he gets up. He runs. He's gone. It, it, I'm just saying it was, it was, you know, it happens. It happened in a matter of just a few seconds when yeah. I look at the footage because I put it online, like the videos online been viewed millions of times. A lot of lessons can be learned from it. Well, I messed the up a lot. video of the actual shooting. Yeah, the video of the actual shooting is online. Yeah, I put it online on might just a different channel. The, uh, yeah, I might add it into the video. Yeah, you should do that because as I'm describing it, yeah. you know, you can. But what happened then, I did that. And then, of course, you know, the people, you move to a more secure area. And then my wife went outside to check on the kids to make sure they were okay and stuff like that because everybody was shook up, you know. Um, long story short, we come to find out this gun he had didn't even work. So he's robbing it with a gun that didn't work, but it was his third robbery, hmm. his third armed robbery, right? So it was ridiculous, but he, I thought he was going to kill this lady. Nobody knew he had a yeah, fake yeah, rifle, yeah, or not a fake, but it just it yeah, wasn't working. But um, he ended up getting caught, you know, shortly thereafter, got some time. Now he's out. He's back on the streets, um, unfortunately, but it is what it is. You know, so that happened. The police got there and they looked at the footage and everything. And it wasn't a problem. You know, they were they were fine. You know, what I'm saying the challenge was I want to know if he's OK, because I'm like had a lot to either had I had one in the chamber. I had a perfect shot. I put a trigger mm. It's center mass. He was that would have been a wrap. Mm. So it wasn't meant to be. Alhamdulillah. 
It wasn't meant to be. So my getting him, but it that, was just through that the leg. First time, that first one would have would have killed. It would have ended yeah, him. Yeah. It would have ended. I mean, it most likely would have ended him because it was center mass perfect. He had the gun up to the lady. He wasn't paying any attention, and my my you know I got a good aim. Mm. You know, but when I put a trigger, nothing happened. Yeah. So you know, a lot of saved his life on that, and also saved me a whole lot of drama <laughs> as well because after it happened. You know, it wasn't, there was no problem. I was not charged with anything. You know, I was the, the first person in the state ever to um, use his licensed firearm in a situation to stop an armed robbery. So from the street level, there was no problem. They should have given you a medal, man. Yeah, but you have to remember, I'm in, I'm in Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm a black man and a Muslim yeah. in America. Again, racism is alive and well throughout what used to be the pinnacle of, of what's called white supremacy in the United States. Yeah. And it's a challenge when you have unity, especially have unity between races, because if you don't know about the history of the U.S., the, the reason that um, racism based upon color became a thing was Bacon's Rebellion. You had um, enslaved people, enslaved Africans united with poor whites. Yeah. So you had a lot of Irish white folks who were indentured servants who weren't paid properly, you had a lot of enslaved Africans, they joined together in this rebellion. That could be a problem for the elite. So instead of them saying, okay, you, you guys are going to unite you, listen, we're going to give you 40 acres of the mule, we're going to give you tools, we're going to give you some land, but guess what? You're still going to be poor, but at least you're not a nigger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hence, they really utilize that racial divide, which is a totally different type of slavery than existed before that. That's what I mean. They don't like it. So they even call it the transatlantic slave trade. It's not the transatlantic slave trade. It's the European American slave trade. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So a lot of that is ingrained right in the culture. And you're a threat, like Fred Hampton was a threat with the Black Panther parties when he was just uniting people mm. to be the change that you want to really see in the world. So anytime that there's something that happens where there's a unite, there are uniting factors, you can under, you can believe, best believe that they're going to be forces trying to work against that unity. Yeah. You know, so that's what was part of the aftermath of that shooting. SubhanAllah, you know, you've had an interesting, eventful life and we're not even really, that's just the beginning <laughs> of your life, you know. Uh, you know, um, you've, you've, you know what? I want to next time interview you about um, your uh, experience of, you know, being a father. Uh, you know, and your, so about your family and the lessons that your uh, wives and children also uh, can give um, from their experiences. Because I think you've got a lot of uh, things we can, people can benefit from. Um, a lot of people take uh, parenthood for granted. They kind mm. of just do what their parents did a lot of right. the time, especially people who are born into Islam because they have such a strong culture. You know, they just raise their children the way their mother and father did, which is great. But you don't actually, <laughs> a lot of the time, you don't actively seek education and seeking knowledge about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, not being purposeful. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I wrote this book, uh, Muslims Parenting on Purpose, because mm. that's where I started kind of training and learning this online stuff from with um, Muslims parenting on purpose. Mm. Because if you're not intentional with it, mm. a trial and error method is not gonna work. And this is not the same world that I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Mm. Right now with the social media world, the digital revolution, the blockchain stuff, this is a totally different world. Stupid stuff that I did back in the 80s and 90s, thankfully we didn't have media to capture it and just gonna be with you for life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's a totally different world. And the children that are born today aren't built for today. They're 25, 30 years out. That's the world that they have to be prepared for. Yeah. So if we're not intentional, yeah. you're not going to really get far. Yeah. So inshallah, I think we can do, you know, we'll get some episodes about, and <laughs> I'm going to really uh, give you some questions <laughs> and take some benefit from that, inshallah. Do you have inshallah. anything else you want to share? What you think will be, will be good for this uh, 
this episode? Yeah, well, recognizing that many times people will see more in us than we'll see in ourselves. Mm. So it's utilizing those mentors, these ideas and these concepts, and to challenge your beliefs. Mm. Challenge it. It's not going to be comfortable. All right, change and progress is never comfortable because there's only two narratives in human history. Only two narratives. That's struggle and progress in that order. All right, and one of my mentors told me a long time ago, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. So it's gonna take personal work, it's gonna take all of these things to really get to a level where you wanna be fulfilled, joyful, happy, but there's still gonna be struggle because this life isn't meant to be the end. You know, it's just a testing one. You know, I don't want to say too much about the family thing because we're going to go into, uh, inshallah, maybe we can do a short series and and, and, uh, maybe include some of your family members as well at some point, um, if you're happy with that, and maybe we can benefit from from some of them lessons. Um, You know, it's been a pleasure uh, spending time with you the past few days and uh, learning from you. And uh, go to the link below. We're going to put the uh, YouTube account uh, for Coach Nazir. And uh, check out some of the videos. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. And join us next time uh, for another episode of uh, Young Smirks. And we'll get Nadir back on, Coach Nadir back on. And we'll, we'll go through some of the uh, uh, lessons on polygyny, family, <laughs> you name it, inshallah. You inshallah, know, you, all sorts for sure. of things uh, which you can, uh, uh, we can benefit from. Uh, also, support the Patreon in, in the below. Support the channel. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته إنك لا تهدي من أحببت ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء